Welcome back to Talent Talk. It's episode 41 of our podcast. And in this entry, we have special guest Josh Martino. Martino, the president and legal counsel for Bono's Pit Barbecue and Willie Jewell's Old School Barbecue, discusses his background and involvement in the Jacksonville community, some of the challenges for the company during COVID-19, and his involvement with UNF. Bono's has been a longtime partner with UNF Athletics, and Martino specifically has been involved with the Taylor Leadership Institute while also serving on the UNF Student Affairs Community Council. So enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another edition of Talent Talk. Uh, really grateful to have a special guest on today, Josh Martino, uh, president and legal counsel of Bono's and uh, Willie Jules as well. Uh, I know you're very busy, so thanks for carving out some time. No, my pleasure. Anything for UNF? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things you could touch on here, but just give a quick intro of yourself, um, your your connection to Northeast Florida. Sure. So my name is Josh Martino, uh, president, like you said, Bono's Willie Jules. Um, I moved here in 2003, uh, bounced around the East Coast a good bit, but I'm, I'm born and raised in Atlanta. My wife's a, a Jacksonville native, so that's how I got to Jacksonville. And, um, you know, practicing attorney for a little bit and uh, quickly realized there was, a, there was you know, a, a passion itch that needed scratching and that ended up being the restaurant business. And fortunately, uh, our family has had Bono's for quite some time. So um, back in 06, to uh, join the fray. And uh, we've been growing Bono's and growing a new concept, Willie Jewel, since 09. And, um, you know, I feel like I've lived, you know, as much of my life in Jacksonville as anywhere else. So I feel like a native now and, and definitely claim it as my home. And, um, you know, proud of that. So a little background on yourself that I was doing research on. Uh, you went through Vanderbilt and then you got your JD up in New York. Um, yeah. You've been around a little bit. Um, how, how is Jacksonville compared to those cities and why is it a special place? So, you know, Atlanta, New York, Nashville, mm -hmm. you know, all obviously much bigger cities known for, you know, certain things, uh, known for a lot of things. Uh, moving to Jacksonville from, you know, the heart of Manhattan, Obviously, the pace slows back down, but I'm, I'm from the South originally, used to the pace, um, but very proud of, of, uh, of being from, from this neck of the woods. Um, I actually took to Jacksonville very well. Um, I love it here. Um, we pretty much got married right away when we moved here, started a family. Um, I find that you know, everything you do in Jacksonville has an impact the next day. I mean, you can see it immediately. Whereas in big cities that I've lived in before, you know, your impact is great and you can give back to your community. You can, you can be a business leader in your community and that's great, but you can, you can definitely get lost in the shuffle with millions and millions of people here in Jacksonville. You know, it's, it's one degree of separation between knowing pretty much everybody in this town, which is, which is a good thing, I think, because it's, it's a town of really great people who, you know, the support for local businesses here is like no place I've ever been. And the philanthropic community here is amazing, you know, for, for a city's population to be what it is uh, in Jacksonville and to have so much support for so many amazing causes. It's like a Cheesecake Factory menu, um, you know, is what I tell people. If you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter what it is there's something in Jacksonville for you to get involved with and have an impact immediately. So from that perspective, it's been great for my family. It's been great for me personally to grow 
and become a part of the community. So I, I, I just love Jacksonville. You're a part of it in so many different ways. I was just reading through the Rolodex of things that you've been involved in on the boards that you've been on. Um, yeah, just elaborate on a few of them that you're involved with here in Jacksonville. Sure. So, you know, it's uh, kind of got involved, you know, pretty quickly in the, in the community. Um, my, my parents were big in community service and um, was fortunate to join some boards and get really get your hands dirty. You know, some boards you do a lot of just meeting and, and greeting and other ones you really dive in and become part of the work. And, um, you know, that's how I really got to know UNF from a internal standpoint. We've bonus as a sponsored UNF for many, many years and, and uh, typically the athletic programs there. But I joined the uh, Student Affairs Community Council years ago and really got an in-depth look at the university itself from the infrastructure to all of the amazing programs for so many of the students that come there. And I've just been blown away. So, you know, it's become a lot more than athletics. It's become, you know, the Leadership Institute. It's become all the, the services you provide to really everyone and diverse programs. So, you know, uh, like I said before about Jacksonville, there's so much to get involved with, right? So I've always been passionate about education, um, food insecurity or hunger, and then criminal justice reform. So right now, the boards I serve on are Feeding Northeast Florida, Operation New Hope, and uh, the Tiger Academy, which is a small charter school in Northwest Jacksonville. Um, you know, obviously done work at the, the business school at JU. Don't hold that against me, UNF. <laughs> but uh, definitely served served time. You know, served served you know in the council at UNF. Continue to support um, UNF as well. So really, it's it's been a ride. Um, you know, served on the, on the zoo board and, and a number of other things. Been part of the leadership Jacksonville community in 2015. Um, it's just been so much fun learning more and diving in. And like I said, helping people right away, mm -hmm. you know, and Bono's has been, you know, just an amazing vehicle for that. Cause you meet so many people through the restaurant business. Um, you know, we get thousands of customers a day walking through our doors and it's a gift to be able to serve people, feed people. Um, you know, we're talking basic human needs, you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we, we love feeding people that can't afford to, to, to buy our food, but we also love to feed people who, who need help and, and can't afford to buy our food. So it makes sense to um, get involved and, and do what we can to give back to the community. It's served Bonos now for 71 years, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. And for myself, I, um, I've been here for a couple of years now, but immediately knew of Bono's partially because you guys would help cater our events and games. And so I, I was integrated that way, but I, I saw them at a lot of different locations. Um, going back to getting involved in the restaurant industry, you know, you started off as an attorney and I, I think it said that your, uh, I was reading some articles, your father-in-law was, is the connection to Bono's? He is. Yeah. He bought Bono's when there was just one location in 1980 and started developing it. And his family goes way back in the restaurant business in Jacksonville. Um, you know, what is now Ocean One was once the Sea Turtle. And so they own, you know, Sea Turtle, which was a fine dining restaurant out at the beach um, in Atlantic Beach. And they also had the, the Green Turtle, which was on Phillips Highway. And their family was just known for fine dining in Jacksonville. Their Adib family was synonymous with just high quality, great customer service. They actually built a hotel around the restaurant, which usually you build a restaurant after you build the hotel. Um, their family sold it years ago, but 
you know, between Joe buying Bono's, his brother Barry owns the Beach Diner concept, and their brother Scotty owns String Sports Brewery down in Springfield. Mm-hmm. So the whole family's been involved in the restaurant business. Okay. It's just, it's just in their blood. Um, I didn't know it was in my blood, um, but I'm, I, you know, my, my parents cooked every single night. You know, so my, my textbooks were covered in tomato sauce and, and garlic and, and you name it just from doing my homework in the kitchen and through osmosis and eating good food. You know, I guess I just never realized it was, you know, my way of communicating with people as well, you know, feeding people. And, uh, you know, certainly is a love language uh, to be able to cook and serve people. So, yeah, I mean, kind of stumbled into it and, and quickly fell in love with the industry. Yeah, that's what I was going to go into next. Uh, what was the reason for you to, you know, scratch that itch with the restaurant industry? You know, um, I was I had a good gig here. You know, we had just had our first kid, and everything was everything was going well. And Joe just called me one day and was like, you know, you love food so much, and um, you know, kind of offered me the opportunity to come work here at Bonos and kind of find my way here. And, um, you know, spent the first couple months chopping onions and, and learning how to run a drive through and, and cutting meat and, um, and doing fry cooking and learning inside the restaurant, really what it, me- what it means to run a restaurant, which is a lot of moving parts. It's an orchestra of about a thousand things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, telling your parents you went to law school, became a lawyer and you're chopping onions. That <laughs> um, took them a minute to get their head behind it. But when they realized how happy I was, you know, it was a, it was an easy fit. And then really just kind of found my legs. And um, Joe's just been a great mentor. I mean, I've been fortunate to have a lot of great mentors in Jacksonville to kind of guide me along and, and develop into, you know, running, running the show here. So you started off, uh, if I'm correct, as chief operating officer. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is we've got 36 restaurants and typically for, you know, a company with that many stores, you'd have, you know, 30, 40 employees mm-hmm. and we've got about six. So, <laughs> you know, we we don't really believe in titles here. Yes, I, I guess a president and legal counsel is on my, on my business card and Joe's the CEO and we have directors of operations and a CFO. But, um, you know, if... if our fry cook called out next door. We've got one of our restaurants is right behind our office. I'd go fried French fries right now. You know, yeah. when, when we're building restaurants, we're the construction supervisors. We're negotiating contracts from here to, you know, overseas, you know, for some of our, some of our goods. So really we do as many different things as, as we possibly can. It, it puts a lot on our shoulders, but it, every day is interesting. You know, mm-hmm. every day is fun and exciting and, and, there's curveballs every day, but you know we tend to we tend to hit those curveballs to the opposite field and, and uh, get on base pretty often. So we 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 love the challenge, and um, I think that's just what it is. This industry is all about being passionate. I'm guessing you're a Braves fan. Is that is that the case? Yeah. If I could turn my camera around, you'd see at least twenty uh, Braves, Falcons, everything Atlanta okay. uh, oriented, but. I do have my Jaguars gear too. And because right. it's AFC and NFC, <laughs> it's okay. I've, I've, I've settled on that. You can get away with it a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. They don't play each other. They play each other mostly in the preseason. So it's, it's harmless. Right. Um, 
So what is that day-to-day like? I know you have three kids as well. and Is that right? Yeah, three kids, um, you know, who are just awesome, 7, 10, and 13. Um, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just the best. And, and my wife and I are just very lucky parents. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. We take on a lot. But um, I don't sleep very much. Um, and if you love what you do, you know, you're not, you're not really working. So it's, um, it, it has its challenges, especially now with COVID. Um, it's hit the restaurant industry incredibly hard. Um, it's, been, it's been a pretty big challenge for, for everyone. The sad part is it's most independence. And we're independent as well. Um, you know, if this thing persists through the fall, we're looking at 70% of independent restaurants closing, you know, Mm -hmm. restaurants that were for all intents and purposes, very successful. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you'd have to wait a couple weeks or a month to get a reservation at some of these nicer restaurants, but with limited capacity, people's, you know, nervousness about going back into a restaurant, all those things. It's, um, it's too bad because we represent uh, the restaurant lodging um, industry is the largest employer in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking, you know, thousands upon thousands of employees out of work right now, um, who have been furloughed and never come back. So it's, it's between that, between supply chain issues, health issues, labor issues. Um, it's really been a lot of, a lot more curveballs than we're used to. Um, but I, I have to say, we, we feel like the, some of the fortunate ones, we're very grateful the community here has been incredibly supportive. So while our dining rooms look a lot emptier um, because of restrictions, um, 50% limitations on our occupancy, our takeout business, our drive-through business, our, our third-party delivery business, the Uber Eats and Grubhubs and DoorDashes of the world, those have all really stepped up. You know, we're not catering as many events. That, that's probably the revenue stream that's been hit hardest for us just because, you know, we missed out on, what was a great, you know, typically the spring is a great wedding season. Um, you know, fall, you've got tailgating, you got, you know, we you typically have six locations in the stadium for the Jags, but with their limited capacity restrictions, it doesn't make sense for us to sell food right now. Um, so we're, we're missing out on, on some avenues of our business that are really great for us to get out in the community, but you know, we've also been part of Project Share with Feeding Northeast Florida, which has served over 400,000 meals to people in need, you know, um, which has been great. Um, again, through the generosity of our community, we're able to do those things. And we've had all of our employees rehired for months now. So, you know, we had to furlough our service staff when there were no tables to serve when we were at 0% occupancy. But we're really proud of the fact that we kept almost everybody employed the entire time. And then the, the, the people who were furloughed were brought back fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been asked many times just how you've handled it as, you know, individually this time and as a company, what were some of the things that you guys did to continue to serve, you know, the area with your, with, with your restaurant locations? I mean, we got creative at one point when our dining rooms were completely shut down, we turned them into grocery stores. So, you know, things that were limited at your, you know, Publix or Winn-Dixie, you know, we have access to through our supply chain, through our distributor. So we would set up, you know, a handful of items, maybe 15 items 
um, even things as scarce as it was back in March, like toilet paper um, to, you know, some proteins and everything else. And we created a grocery store in a couple of our locations. Um, again, we, we've found ways to produce meals through uh, the generosity of some, some grant donations that were made through different organizations. Um, you know, Project Share mostly helped the elderly um, who were very restricted and, and not able to move around and get out to restaurants or go to grocery stores. So, I mean, for over 400,000 meals, um, you know, was it was a gift to be able to provide that for people. So we, you know, and, and we were able to, again, put people back to work. So all of our partners that we've supported for years, including UNF, um, you know, the Jaguars, the Jumbo Shrimp, I mean, so many people either reached out to us or we reached out to them and um, we just said, hey, can you, can you give us a plug on the radio? Can you give us a plug on your website or your social media? Mm -hmm. And it was a resounding yes from everyone, which just, it felt great. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but that's the Jacksonville you and I were describing to open this, this interview was, that's what I love about this place. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a very much a yes type of town. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a lot of no in this town. Um, it's, it's a gutsy, gritty, stick together kind of town. And, um, I, I do have to say, I, there's no way to prove whether, a you know, a social media post by the jumbo shrimp brought in X amount of revenue, but I know that it meant a lot to us and it probably helped because we are where we are today. Um, you know, because of everybody's generosity. Mm -hmm. What is just for people to know? kind of a human side of it, what's been the hardest part for you uh, during this time? You know, the hardest part was to, to have, you know, staked your career on something so personal or how we feel about these restaurants and how we feel about the employees in these restaurants. I mean, we've got over 25 or 30 employees that have been with us for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, you know, in March when everything, you know, was so uncertain and we didn't know what was coming, we thought we'd lose half our restaurants and with it, you know, the ability to employ a lot of deserving people who, who have done nothing but work their tails off, you know, for, for our brands and for our family and for themselves. Um, and there was going to be no place for them to go. So there were a lot of stark realities that kind of hit us. Um, supply chain issues, because, you know, if I was to tell you, you know, farmers that produced cattle, you know, they, they couldn't process the, the brisket. And so some of the supply chain things, you know, fortunately for us, we're large enough to, to have contract pricing. But when, when brisket goes from, you know, $3 a pound to $9 a pound, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're locked in at $3 a pound. That's great. But there's not as much brisket. Um, we know that those farmers are struggling and, you know, we keep in touch with our sourcing. So we know we know the turkey farmers that produce our turkey. You know, we know these people very well and they were all getting hit hard. So every phone call you took was somebody struggling a certain way, whether it was one of our servers who, you know, they see their checking account dwindling and they don't know what to do. And we're, you know, trying to give them at least some public gift cards or, you know, doing anything we can to create labor opportunities at the, at the restaurants, you know, work opportunities for them to earn, some money. It was just a crazy time. But, um, you know, fortunately, that's gotten much better, the labor side. Supply chain issues are still very challenging. 
um, you know, we're, we're just, we're just facing something new. For, for, for us, we usually look out six months. Now we're looking out about six minutes, it feels like, <laughs> or for the next thing to come down the yeah. pipe. But I also know not to complain because I know it's not just the restaurant industry. It's, it's a lot of industries. And it may not look like the challenges we're facing. It's something that looks completely different for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we're all going through our own version of coping and dealing with what's going on. And, um, but I know that it's, it's a good feeling to know that I can always lean back on our community and our friends and supporters who were just so fantastic to us when all this started. Are there any, looking at the positives, are there any permanent positive adaptations that restaurants will be making in the future or you guys will be making, you think? You know, I think, uh, you know, we've had this conversation internally, you know, um, right before COVID got real in March, uh, we unfortunately lost our town center location. It burned mm -hmm. down literally a week before everything kind of went bananas. Um, and so we've been saying that if, if, coronavirus had lasted a few months and then we had recovered and, you know, um, we got past it, trends probably would have gone back to what they were, you know, um, dining in, taking out delivery, drive through, all that stuff with as long as it's lasting now. Um, and I'm not sure where, where, when or where it will end. We think that a lot of the trends that have started with how people are utilizing restaurants might be here to stay. Mm -hmm. And so in redesigning the, the location of the town center, we're, we're going to probably be putting fewer seats in the dining room, you know, shrinking the footprint a little bit mm -hmm. to make room for a drive through there, which we didn't have before, which we think will do very well at that location just because of the traffic at the town center. Um, you know, creating a lot of efficiencies for our takeout, our, our third party delivery, as far as how the setup is for our staff just a lot of efficiencies and uh, trend changes. So we're adapting to all of those needs um, that I think are going to be here to stay and to be able to support it for ease of our, you know, employees. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are, I don't, I don't know if they're positives, but they're definitely culture shifts and trend mm -hmm. changes for how restaurants fit into people's lives that we're going to adapt to. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a loaded question too, with the amount of things that go into your industry um, that we definitely on the outside don't, think about or see we think the end yeah. product you know like any field for sure yeah. um for you just fundamentally why philan philanthropy and, and you know charitable efforts and work you know as your character and your life output you know um man i you know it's uh it's a good question i don't know it's just been something i've been exposed to for you know since i was a little kid you know my mom would make, uh, you know, she'd go to the, the store and get poster boards and I'd be writing things and, and, and stuff on them for her. And she'd go, she'd be, she'd be all over the place, you know, whether it was raising money or raising awareness, um, you know, talking to kids at schools about certain things. She was always kind of at the forefront of, you know, some movement or another, you know, somebody who's always in need, somebody who's always needing a, a leg up. And, um, you know, again, it was like the osmosis of doing my homework in the, in the kitchen. Um, I think somewhere along the way, you learn that your community is a lot bigger than you. And, you know, 
if you're fortunate, you should be, you should not only be grateful for it, but you should try and let other people in on that little secret, you know, and there's always, you know, some injustice out there. There's always somebody who needs help. There's somebody who's hungry. There's somebody who needs a couple bucks just to make it through, who needs a bus pass, who needs this, you know, if you have the ability to do it, it's not always, it's not always a check you have to write, you know, sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's just collaboration. You know, that's, that's what I think our greatest strength is in this town that I've found is putting people together. You know, there's, there's people who want to give back. They just don't know how to get started. Mm -hmm. If you point them in the right direction, I mean, it's kind of philanthropy is addicting. Um, when you, it makes you feel a certain way to give back and see the help, um, pay off for certain people. It's, it's addicting. It's a great, great feeling. Um, you also learn a lot about your community, good and bad. Um, but you know, sometimes you can learn better from bad examples and from negativity than, you know, if things are always rosy all the time, you know, Oh, what needs fixing? Nothing. Everything's great. But if you, if you uncover things that need help, you know, it, it's kind of a bottomless pit. So there's always somebody to help out. Sure. Uh, as far as your engagement with UNF, how did that start getting involved with the Leadership Institute and the council? So I kind of got kicked off. Um, my kickoff was just, you know, bonus had always supported UNF mm -hmm. athletics. So through that, I got to meet some really um, great people at the, at the university. Um, and then a good friend of mine was like, yeah, you're already doing stuff with the university. You should join the Student Affairs Community Council. And, um, and that was just an amazing experience for many years. Met a lot of great people on the council, but met some great students. And again, just learned so much more about what goes on on campus than I think most people know about. Not to mention, it's a beautiful campus. I mean, the, the architecture is great. The flow of the, the whole you know, campus is awesome. Um, I've, again, I'm always been a, I've always been a supporter of education, but learning more about the inner workings of the university just, you know, is going to keep me a fan and coming back, you know, forever. Um, you know, this year being so, so odd and sports being, you know, canceled or postponed. So this year, you know, you know, we do with other, other universities that shall remain nameless <laughs> on this program. Um, we, we, we support them as well, but we got creative with UNF. We got creative with uh, some other uh, universities as well. And um, we took some of the funds that are typically allocated towards those, those sponsorships and we turned sponsorships into scholarships. And that has just been really fun and really amazing and so well received by the university. Like normally people don't like to reallocate. So we've actually started scholarships, um, you know, at JU and we started scholarship at UNF using funds that were previously allocated towards, like I said, outfield wall signs yeah. or ribbon banners or whatever. So, um, yeah, we've started a scholarship that we've, we've committed to fund for four years and odds are much longer after that, um, you know, uh, working with Operation New Hope um, and some of their graduates in the Ready for Work program um, to be able to come back and get a, get a further education, get a degree, and therefore be able to get a better job. So um, we're starting to build that fund, build that scholarship, um, create the application process and the vetting process for this, this student who will be granted this scholarship. So the people at UNF have just been awesome to work with. Um, I think it's a pretty exciting deal. I think it's, it's, a, it's a feather in the cap of UNF for being so open-minded. 
Um, and it's just a testament to, I don't know, just, just people thinking outside the box, collaborating, and just a willingness to change that, you know, a lot of people are resistant to change. I know I can't change our ranch dressing recipe because they'll, I'll get fired. Um, but like, you know, we can change up some things that we've just been doing out of routine for so long and really create some good out of it. So we're excited. With your, you know, large support of education involvement here at UNF, what advice would you give to students um, right now just to, have them focus on where they want to get with their education and career considering the circumstances right now? I think, you know, unfortunately we're asked to focus on one thing, one direction um, way too early in our education. Right. So, you know, everybody asks you what everybody asks you when you're three, what do you want to be when you grow up? And pretty much every year thereafter. And then yep. somewhere, somewhere along high school and college, it gets serious when they go, no, seriously, what are you going to be? Cause that's what you're going to be. <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember where I saw it or read it, but they say it's, it's your third job that ends up being the one you do for your career. Um, this just happens to be my third job, my third real, my third paying job. <laughs> um, so it, it actually fits for me, but, um, I would say don't decide too early. I would say try everything until you realize what you actually are passionate about. Um, I'm not saying job hop, um, you know, because you're bored or you have a, a, a bad attention span or your, your chair is uncomfortable. I'm saying, you know, really, really learn early, you know, take some internships, try a lot of different things, see what you're passionate about and then go that way. Don't just say, I'm going to be a this, I'm going to be a that because that's what your parents want you to do, um, or you feel like, oh, I did well in that class, maybe that means I should be this. It really doesn't, you know, those things don't matter. Figure out what you're passionate about and, and then run full steam ahead. But be a chameleon, you know, it's, far, it's so much more fun to do a lot of different things than one thing. Well, and I mean, just your career, being able to shift your legal uh, background into this business and now take another side of this business too is a testament to that. Anything else that you want to share, Josh? Uh, I know you have a busy day. Uh, anything else you want to share before we close? No, just kind of an appreciation for, thanks for having, having me on. This is really fun. And, um, you know, we're all getting better at Zoom meetings. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, keep doing what you're doing. Um, best of luck to the students um, at UNF. Uh, wish I could go back to college. Um, I'd be, I'd be grateful if my kids were, were Ospreys one day. Um, selfishly, that means they'd be close to home, but, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but just wish everybody, you know, safety and, and health and happiness and, and good luck. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time today, Josh. It was, it was good to hear a little bit of the backstory, um, and just your words of encouragement for us. So, and thank you for your support. Thanks for listening to Talent Talk. Find the complete archive along with feature articles on unfospreys.com by going to fans and Talent Talk podcast series under the multimedia tab.